Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. You've got questions, and we've got answers. We're midway through season four. So on today's podcast, we'll open up the listener mailbag and answer your burning questions. On the episode today, we'll talk about getting nervous before giving a big talk, building community as a young family, discussing your faith with non-Catholics, living balance, kids and cell phones, and so much more. Let's get started. Lisa, this week I became like a little kid again. It was amazing. Oh, you're talking about when you became famous? Uh, I don't know if I'd call it fame, but something really cool happened. Well, your last name wasn't a part of it, so there wasn't enough to tie it back to you. Okay, so let me just tell my story. So I started listening to a new podcast probably about a month ago. I'm a really big geek about Spanish club soccer. I love following Barcelona and Messi, who's the greatest soccer player currently alive. And so I follow this podcast and something really cool happened this week. I submitted a question and they answered my question on the podcast. Kevin from Denver. Kevin from Denver. And it's these two British guys and they live in Madrid, Spain, and they report on Spanish soccer and for like ESPN and they have this podcast. And if you're a Patreon, you get special content and I asked a question. Wait, are you a Patreon? I'm a Patreon, yeah. We never talked about this. We didn't, but I am. That's <laughs> how much I love Spanish soccer. What? Yeah, it's true. I need to watch the budget better. So I asked a question and they answered it. And it was just so much fun. I was driving down uh, the street. I was on my way to work. And all of a sudden, it was these two British guys who live in Spain who are talking about Kevin and Denver and my questions about Coutinho and Dumbele. And it was just Which all of fantastic. you understand. All of you love Coutinho and Dembele. Yeah, Kevin picked me up from the airport after I had my last trip this week. And like within 10 minutes, was like, oh, I got to show you something. Pull, pull out my phone. It was 20 minutes. But no, I did. I told, I told you. I told my sister. I told my parents. I could play it for the kids. Like it was so much fun. And I realized, oh my gosh, this same week, which is when the podcast happened, I have a podcast, and I'm going to answer questions with Lisa. This is so much fun. That's a part of what that feeling feels like when somebody answers your question on a podcast. What a cool thing. And here it is. It's Q&A week. What a coincidence. Yes, although I don't think our podcast is as big as theirs. Probably not. Although I think their Patreon, it, the Patreon is a more select group, and I think it has less listeners. So Interesting. Yeah. Well... Okay, let's go. We've got like 10 questions here. And of course, as always, we could not get to all the questions. We couldn't. Thank you so much for sending them in, though. It was really fun to be receiving your emails and seeing your comments on Instagram with questions, which is where all the questions came from was email and Instagram. So we are going to do as many as we can, but we only have half hours. So there it is. Here but we thank go. you for taking the time to submit questions. And we're sorry we can't answer them all. First one's pretty quick. 
It comes from Instagram, from the saintly pursuit. She asks, how did you meet? That's a really fun question. It is a fun question. Um, did we do a whole episode on? I'm sure. I, I'm sure we have. I should have thought about, about this beforehand. Um, yeah. So we could reference that episode if you wanted to mm-hmm, learn more. Mm-hmm. Why don't you talk and I'll try to look it up. Okay. So how we met, the shortest version of the story is that we met in high school Um First time we were in a room together would have been our freshman year in high school. We went to the same homecoming dance. It was at Kevin's school, and I went to the homecoming dance with someone from his school. So we were in the same room, but we didn't necessarily meet that night. We might have. We might have. You went with like one of my friends from grade school. Uh, though that was sophomore year I went to oh. a dance at your school. Yeah. That's the one where we probably met if we had not already met. It's true. Yeah. So then um, sophomore years when I started hearing about Kevin from my cheerleader friends because he was the cute boy that went to youth group and I was like, that doesn't exist, which I'm wrong. That does exist. I just hadn't been to youth group before and I had, I had a bias. I had a, mm-hmm. I had a stereotype about youth group boys that was wrong because I married a youth group boy. Anyways, so we ended up finally meeting senior year. We met at a cleanup day at the new land our archdiocese had just purchased to build a camp called Camp Tekawitha. So how we really got to know each other was at Camp Tekawitha, working there in the summer before college and then the summers during college and then eventually Kevin transferred to Benedictine. So that is the quick version of our story of how we met. It's true. I'm looking for the podcast episode of maybe when we met, but I... We've done a lot of podcasts. What's your love story? I think I did a blog post on what's your love story. I'm pretty sure I have a what's your love story blog post on focus.org. So I will link to that if you want more details because you're like, I love love stories. Sure. I did write a blog post on it. I know that. Great. I think that's it's, what I was getting confused also about. Also in Dating Detox, I think more about a relationship as well. And our book. Yeah. Okay. Next question comes from Megan. This is an email question. And Megan asks, do you still get nervous before speaking engagements, especially to those with huge crowds? Um, And then she says, is there anything about your speaking prep process you'd like to share, let us in on? And have you seen growth from the first talks you gave to now? So it's like a three-part question, but we can answer all that. So you want to go first? Yeah. So I think the first question was, do you still get nervous? And I think for me... Uh, the answer kind of depends. I think there's definitely on um, bigger talks, you can definitely get nervous. I think with with speaking, it always, like most things, becomes easier the more you do it. And especially if you've already done a talk before, you get a sense of like, all right, this is how the audience is going to react. This is when they're going to laugh. This is when they're kind of dig in and like work through something with you. This is where you can really like bring it home and they're going to respond to it and give feedback. So I think the more you give a talk, the better you feel, the more you've given talks on a certain type of level, the easier it is. Um, but I think when you're giving a talk that's new and in a different venue, that's where it gets a little bit more easier. But I think there's always some type of nervousness. And I always just tell myself, um, you know, being nervous isn't a bad thing. It's just what you do with it and working through that. Um, for me, I think I think you mentioned something about like home Holy Spirit. I think for me, I, I often think about before I go on stage, because um, speaking is a very, um, it's a very public thing as far as 
your talents and skills and thoughts being put that put that out before you. And so I think you can be a little self-conscious or like, what are people going to think? Am I going to do well? Are they going to, whatever that might be. And so I typically tell myself um, before I go on stage is I, I like to think about what God thinks of me as his son. And then I remember that's what I should think about instead of other people's opinions is ultimately that's what God sees. And I have that in my mind before I walk on stage. That's, that's for me. You're very holy. Yeah, I don't. I just been doing that the last few times, and it it definitely helps. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Because as a speaker, you can be vain. Like I want people to think I'm funny or smart or whatever, and it's like, in reality, all that stuff doesn't matter compared mm. to what God thinks of us. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think at this point for me, I think I've been doing this now for almost eight years. If you, um, yeah, pretty much. Um, I would take 5,000 over 50 any day. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. I just, there's something about smaller crowds that makes me more nervous because they're right there and you can see them and you can see their reactions. And usually it's in a setting where like there's bright lights and you're, you know, it's just a little less um, anonymous almost. Whereas 5,000, it's just hair. Like usually there's like lights and you just see like darkness and hair. So like that. <laughs> That for me, I actually prefer. Um, yeah, I would say it, it just depends. I don't, I don't, I don't get nervous right before I go on stage anymore. Just I, I think it's like, like I've, <laughs> it's like a adaptation thing. Like I had to do, <laughs> like, because mm-hmm. I just, you can't live in that place with the frequency in which I'm doing speaking engagements. Um, but I do get nervous if it's something I haven't done in the sense of like, it's completely new. Like it's a new kind of genre or a new mm-hmm. kind of. Um, I don't know. It's so like like doing uh, TV interviews or live radio interviews, like any any first of those kinds of things, kind of make me nervous. Um, but I would say to your question about prep, a couple of things that we would suggest that you look into. Two books. One would be a book by the name uh, by the name by a guy named Andy Stanley called Communicating for a Change. Yep, that is a fantastic book. Um, he kind of has a method that's more for pastors, but we do preach in, in many circumstances. Um, you know, obviously not homilies, but we still are sharing the gospel. So that's a great resource. A second resource I would, uh, suggest is the score method by a man named Ken Davis. And the book is called secrets of dynamic communication. Those are two excellent resources that help with the prep process. Um, like prep, like well before you get on stage. Um, and then have you seen growth? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And it's always fun because, you know, there's video recordings of and audio recordings of my talks and Kevin's talks for years now. We've had them. And it is sometimes nice to see that growth tangibly um, and be able to watch a talk I gave in 2013, the full video, and then be able to watch 2017 and realize like, yeah, like I have grown in this. Yeah, it's interesting, especially being in focus, being in focus for so long previously, because just giving talks and so when you have trains, then people come up to you and they're like, What did you do? Like I've heard you give talks before, but like all of a sudden you're now now you're good at speaking. Or like you're you're you know, you now weren't you're good. you weren't you weren't bad before, but like it seems like you've done something different. And yeah, there's those periods of time where we really worked on it. So it's fun to see that growth as well. Excellent. All right, this next question comes from Sarah, another email question. I'm going to read it, and then, Kevin, I'm going to have you answer this. Great. Sarah says, we are a young couple with a 10-month-old, and we live in a very great Catholic community. 
I suppose this is a good problem to have, but there's literally too many events and Bible studies and groups we could be involved in, yet we need family time. I often feel guilty about saying no to activities, yet when we're gone, we've gone to everything in the past, I've gotten burnt out. I want to live a slow-paced, family-centered life, but Catholic community is so important too. How do we balance these things? Yeah, what a great problem to have. Yeah, great problem to have. You know, one thing that immediately came to mind for me on this question was a book called Essentialism by Greg McCune. So that's Essentialism by Greg McCune. And uh, Essentialism is great because it really tries to help people understand that we as human beings are only made to do so much. And that, in fact, uh, we've been given certain gifts characteristics. He comes from more of a secular angle, but you could think of it in spiritual, like we have a certain charism. We've been given certain talents and gifts from our Lord, and we need to focus on these things if we're really going to be effective. And he gives example after example of people in life who've, who, although they've could have done millions and millions of things, they decided to focus on some very particular things and get really, really good at them. And so um, that I think applies to our work a lot of ways, but I felt like it also applied uh, to this question about community you know, you have a certain charism with your family. You have certain relationships that you're called to invest in. And when you try to invest in too many things, what happens is you ultimately invest in nothing. And that's where that burnt out feeling comes from. Uh, Burnt out is often hard work with no reward. But when we invest in uh, relationships that we can, they're tangible, we can see the growth, we can see uh, and really feel the impact on our lives. That's where the hard work um, doesn't feel like it remains empty. That's where it doesn't feel like I exert a lot of energy. Yes, I did do that, but I also got something back. And so I just really encourage you. Um, I'd encourage you to read that book, but also just to think through what is our family called to do and how do we invest in those specific relationships? And there's always a period in time which you, you know, meet a lot of people and see all the activities, but then there's also a time of discernment where you'd say, all right, now that we know about all these things, what do we want to dive into, invest in to really help us move towards holiness as a family and uh, to help other people and holiness as well or bring them into the church. So yeah, that's my advice on that one. Perfect. All right. Next we have a uh, Instagram question from Ashley L. Sebastian and she said, well, she's got two kind of different questions, but they're both pretty quick to answer. So I'm going to do both of them right now. So she says how to keep God the center of your life with keeping up with the demands of this world. So I feel like a lot of what Kevin just said, like reiterates to that, mm-hmm. figuring out like what are the essentials, what are the most important things. Um, and I think kind of the foundational piece with all of this is going to be prayer and just making sure that we're spending time in prayer. And that's going to help us not feel overwhelmed by the demands of the world. Um, so, you know, keeping God at the center of your life is having a, some kind of a prayer life and making that a top priority in your life. And I'm just going to reference to one of our older episodes. We did an episode on how to schedule and it's so much that there's a part one and a part two. You can find them. There's season two, episode 13 and 14. We'll link to that. But if you want like an hour on just that kind of question of how do you, how do you keep, you know, life prioritized in order, that would be the episode for you to look to. And the other question that Ashley had is, how do you naturally integrate Catholicism into the family home to raise kids that love the faith? And I love this question. I'm so glad that you've asked it. Um, and the the quick 
thing that I'm going to toss to you is the series I've been doing, the liturgical lowdown. If you have not been catching up with those or checking those out, that is absolutely where you want to go. So every month I am putting together what is going on liturgically that month? What are the feast days? What's the season that's going on? And giving ideas for how do you integrate it into your home. And I'm always giving ideas specifically for family life. And we've just found that that's been one of the biggest ways that we've really influenced our kids to love the faith is making the liturgical season not just something that happens at church, but happens in our home. And they're really picking up on the rhythms of the church within the rhythm of our home. And it's it's kind of the air they breathe. So that's what I would point you to right there. Um, Check out the liturgical lowdowns for more ideas than you could or should possibly ever try. (laughs) Cool. Our next question also comes from Instagram. It's from Mag Braden. And she asks two questions. First one is ideas, ideas on ways for families with young children to be active in ministries within our parish. And number two is, should churches provide nurseries so parents can focus and be present during the Mass? And these feel connected. I would say, let's answer the first question first, or the second question first, which is um, nurseries so that parents can go to Mass. I'd say definitely yes. I think child care is huge. Um, I think child care is so huge, not only for Mass, but to have it for ministries as well. I know our church provides child care on Wednesdays, which is a big night for our CIA and for Alpha and for all their small groups as well. And to know that there's childcare there uh, makes a huge difference. So I think it's just really essential. And I think she's specifically asking just during mass though. I know. And I said, yes, definitely during mass, but also I think other times of the week I think are huge. Yeah. That's such a hot topic debate. Like can, you can, I, I actually oscillate back and forth on mm, this one. Oscillate. Yeah. I think it's, there's, there's times where like, the, it depends on the age, right? So mm-hmm. like, there, you do eventually need to integrate your kids and they just need to learn how to how to s- participate in mass and yep. and sit still without having to like eat animal crackers and color and get up and walk around like that's actually like a good thing for them to learn but so much of it just depends on your type of kid so like if you have a kid mm-hmm. who's just like like you just you just need that break or else you're gonna lose it like then send them to the nursery. Like, you know, yeah. um, but if it's like, oh, well, like the kid's fine. I just, am, I just don't want to have to like deal with them. You know, I mean, it, it, it's such, for me, it's such like a, <laughs> depends on the kid, depends on the season, right? Mm-hmm. If you've got four kids that are five and under, if you need to send a couple of them to the nursery, great. Like then rotate through who's going. But I think there does need to be some time when children are experiencing mass, so they learn how to participate in mass and be a part of the community. Mm-hmm. It just is circumstantial for me. So like we, we've never needed to send our youngest grace to a nursery, but that's because we also don't have any other young kids. She's there's five years between her and her older brother. So like it wasn't yep. so distracting, but I see some moms who are just trying to grit their teeth and they've got three kids under five and, and dad's not there. And I'm like, Oh gosh, honey, like that's asking a lot. So, you know, I, mm-hmm. it's just, to me, it's circumstantial. Yeah, totally. I think, well, the question is, should churches provide nurseries? Yes, they should. Should you send your kids to the nursery? That's, uh, that's a different yeah, question. Yeah, that's a different <laughs> question, yeah. So you're answering a different question, but I think, um, yeah, I think I totally agree with what you said. And I, some people ask, well, how do you get your kids to be so great in mass? And part of the answer is because they're used to it. 
right? Yeah. Like, cause they go to mass. That's how they learn, you know? So you, every parent's got to figure out what that looks like and what ages. Um, Bottom line, you don't judge a family for what they do or don't do. Yeah. Like, like that's not your burden. Yes. But I do judge parishes on whether they do or do not provide a nursery. Cause I think all parishes should. Yeah. I, I, I think that the option should be there. I think when, I, I think when a parish says like, well, we think that this is how you should parent. That's when it gets a little dangerous. Yeah. Like, like your kid. We're not providing because we think this is how it should be for you. Like, eh. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, oh, we don't want any kids crying in mass. And that's why we provide a nursery because we don't like children. You know, yeah, so that yeah, we think all children <laughs> should go to the nursery. Like uh-huh. the reverse pressure. Like also, yeah. Eh, yeah. that's yeah. not your No place. crying allowed in this church. We have a nursery for that. Like, uh, no, we have a nursery if parents think that's the best, but not if not. Yeah. The other part of the question that we said, we I think we acted like that question was really easy to answer. Then we created another question and answered both of them. <laughs> the, the first question was ideas on ways for families with young children to be active in ministries within our parish. I think first is if your parish provides childcare, that's great. The other method we've heard with small groups is to, uh, as couples with children, is to break up a month and say, all right, one week, we're going to have all the dads meet for a small group. And the wives are going to stay home and watch the kids. And then next week, the wives are going to for a small group. And the husbands are going to stay home and watch the kids. And then the next week, everyone gets together for a small group, both members of that couple and all their kids. And they figure out babysitting or they just watch the kids together. And then they have an off week. I think that's a great way to do it on your own if you're sitting there saying, well, that'd be nice if my parish provided child care for my small group during the week. But yeah, fat chance that's never going to happen. I've heard of that uh, method as far as with a Bible study. And I think, yeah, it has a lot of merit to try to figure out and to crack that code. And I've seen some parishes where they have a a nursery and it's available like Sunday morning masses. It's also available um, Wednesday nights during faith formation. It's also available during mom's group on Friday or whatever. And the way they run it is if you would like to be a part of it, then like your child gets 10 hours, but then you need to commit five hours oh, mm-hmm. or something like that where you are there. So, so if you want to be at mom's group, awesome, bring your kiddos, but know that you need to then contribute to like the collective pot of babysitting on, on a Sunday morning at another time. So you can kind of pick and choose how you fulfill your hours in order to like get hours just to make sure that everybody can be active. So that's that's kind of a practical thing to, I don't know. I don't know your parish situation. So you might be like, there's not that many people in my parish, but something to consider. And I I, I think that it is worth fighting for and figuring out because this is, for most Catholic families, this isn't just like, oh, it's a season, you know, you have your one or two kids. Like for some people, it's a really long season. So absolutely. All right. Next question. Um, oh, it's another question from, no, we did not answer one from, from her yet. It's LM Lazari. I think that's how the name goes. Instagram question. She asked two questions. One, how long was your engagement? Easy. 10 months. Correct. Correct. (laughs) Remember, we met in high school. So (laughs) we had four solid years of being friends and plenty of time to get to know each other. So Mm -hmm. 10 months might be too short for some people. Um, But for us, it was just right because we'd known each other a long time. 
Second question she has is, how old are slash were your children when you allowed them to have cell phones? Do you have restrictions? And if so, what are those restrictions? Okay, this is probably going to, for some people, be like, how is this even possible? Shocker. We have a seventh grader. Mm -hmm. She is 12 years old. She's 12 years old. So we haven't quite hit teenager level, high school, cell phone mania quite yet, but it still, yeah, Yeah. exists in junior high. Yeah, but she doesn't have a cell phone. Mm -hmm. And I know that most of her peers do have cell phones. Mm Mm-hmm. But we're in a unique circumstance where most of her peers that she goes to school with don't have cell phones. Correct. So there's really not a fight. Mm -hmm. So what we have is we have a cell phone that is what we call the family cell phone. And that is for use when I run to the grocery store and seventh grade 12-year-old Mary Claire stays home and she's in charge. And that's also because we don't have a landline. Yes. So this was a financial decision <laughs> because yes. it was cheaper to get this cell phone that has 30 minutes or 30 texts a month and that's it. And so we went that route. So technically we have this cell phone, but none of her friends have the number. She doesn't text her friends. She's not on any social media, uh, which I know people are probably like, what is wrong with you guys? You're freaks. Yeah. Um, and I totally get that. I totally get that. But we are blessed to be in a situation where she doesn't see that. and <laughs> She doesn't think that. And just seeing the effects of cell phones on ourselves and on our world, it's just a hard thing to not be addicted to. And mm-hmm. so if we can give her some freedom, as long as we can, freedom from technology, we're going to give it to her. So... I think when she is in high school probably is when we'll probably have more like this is your cell phone just because there's a lot more need for communication. But I mean, she's she's with us or with somebody who has a cell phone pretty much all the time. So there's not really like a need for safety purposes for a cell phone. So that's why. Um, the other piece I would say with cell phone is um, there will be times sometimes where she will pull out her cell phone when she's home and she'll like listen to classical music while she studies. This is her own idea. And she's got some headphones. So we're like, that's great. But the rule at our house is there's no screens in the basement, just period. No screens in the basement. Which is where their bedrooms are. Yes. Which is where our two oldest kids bedrooms are. So if she wants to do that, then she's sitting at the kitchen table studying with her, you know, listening to her music. Um, and, and we're right there. So there are, yeah, even restrictions. There. And that seems kind of odd, but I mean, I know like as kids, like having a TV in our bedroom with cable, like that'd be crazy. Like a cell phone has access to much more crazier things than cable television. So I think that's some of the reason like no screens in the basement is because that access is, yeah, there's, there's a time and a place for it. But I think the more we can keep it in public and out in front of everyone, the better it is for our kids moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that might not be that helpful, but that's how it rolls in our family. All right, next question. Next question is from Amanda K. Rolick, and she says, how can you involve your spouse in the Catholic faith when they are from a different denomination without them feeling like they've been attacked or judged? Or even better, how can you support each other respectfully with one being Catholic and the other Christian? I think this is a great question. Um, I had a 
tremendous amount of friends who were evangelical in my high school and college days. Uh, still call many of them friends today. And I think there's so many ways that we can find as Catholics and as uh, Protestants that things that we have in common. And two of them that really come uh, stick out to me right now are prayer and scripture. Uh, and so I think studying scripture together can be really beneficial. You can find a lot of things that speak to your lives and that can really encourage one another. And it's scripture is something that you both really value. I think prayer is really great as well. And just to have the realization that we have the same father, we both rely on the, the same Lord and we're both calling on uh, the same Holy Spirit to fuel us each day uh, and just participating in, in, in prayer. So scripture and prayer, uh, I think are two really easy ways to dive in deeper with your spouse uh, when they are of a different denomination or a different church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just be praying for those open doors and for mm-hmm. those opportunities to be able to share more deeply about the Catholic faith. And the second thing I would see be praying for is for a community for your spouse of same gender. Um, so, like, so for your husband, like for some great men to come along who can be an awesome community because I think when it comes to things like um, I, some of these more like deep topics, like I I think oftentimes when you see a conversion, a lot of times it's through not the spouse, but it's through like friends. <laughs> um, I've just, I've seen that happen several times. So I, I would say, yeah, be praying for like a great group of men who are faith filled to be able to kind of take your your, your husband under their wing and really show them like the faith because it's just so hard coming from a spouse. Um, when it's like, I'm trying to evangelize you, like Mm -hmm. that doesn't go over very well typically. But when it's just like, Hey, we're just a group of guys who are like Catholic guys. And we just want to invite you into our community. That's when it like the guard can come down a little more easily. So be praying for, for that kind of a community for your husband. Last thing I'd suggest is just really trying to understand each other as much as possible. So for, um, for them to understand your faith and for you to understand theirs. One book I'd recommend uh, is something called Evangelicals and Catholics Together. It's a great uh, book on where, um, yeah, Catholics and Protestants agree uh, on different uh, areas of the faith. So it'd be great to read that together and actually go, oh my gosh, we might realize we have more in common than we thought. Excellent. Next question is an email question, and I don't know who submitted it. The name got cut off, but... She says, I'm a sophomore in college, and this year will be my first time going to a focus conference. What is the best way to prepare for SEEK beforehand to get the most out of the conference? And this was from Emma. Sorry, I'm the one who cut that off. So it is from Emma. It's from Emma. Well, Emma, first of all, we are so excited that you'll be there. hey We will both be there. We're yep. both going to be speaking, and our new baby boy will be there at a fresh three or four weeks old. We'll find out. (laughs) We'll see how many weeks. Yeah. So please come say hi to us. Um, There will be opportunities for that. And best way to prepare, I would say follow, uh, seek social media Mm -hmm. because that's going to give you all kinds of insights on what to get excited about. Yep. What to prepare for. It's going to give you opportunities to meet some of the speakers through different series that they do. Um, whether that be blogging or whether they do live interviews with them, just kind of get pumped up. Um, there's an app. I would say download the app beforehand so mm-hmm. you can start thinking and praying about what breakout sessions you want to go to. Because when you get there, it can be a little overwhelming because there'll be breakout sessions and there's like 10. <laughs> and you're like, ah, what do we want to do? But some of them are offered twice. So you can kind of 
navigate around with those kinds of areas. So I would say just kind of prepare beforehand as much as you can so that you don't get overwhelmed when you get there. Um, it is a very fun and exciting place to be, but it can be a little bit overwhelming. So um, having some questions out of the way before you even get there, I think is really helpful. Um, Real quick I, on that, just yeah. not to correct you too much, but Seek, it's at Seek Conference is, uh, as far as on social media, on Twitter to follow, and they'll update that to Seek 2019. Right now it's just Seek 2017. So follow the Focus account foc- at Focus Catholic. Then eventually the Seek account will get up and running. Oh, gotcha. Okay, I thought they had like some. Yeah, not yet. Seek Conference? Is it at Seek Conference? Doesn't that do it? It does. But right now it's only stuff from 2017. Oh. And the last thing they tweeted was February 8th of 2017. Okay. Which was a year and a half so ago. So follow Focus then yep. on social media. Yep, but okay. eventually they'll they'll get on and they'll start get there. Yep. rocking the Seek. Yeah. And then I don't know if you're coming with your Focus Campus or if you're coming on your own, if you're coming with your Focus Campus, start to get to know some of the people who are be going with you. It makes it a lot more fun when you're there with, with friends. Um, and if you're coming by yourself, maybe try to you know see if a friend will come with you or mm-hmm. if there are people in your community who will go with you. Because again, going with friends just makes it all the more fun. Absolutely. Awesome. And now we've gotten to our very last question. It comes from Timothy McGurk from Instagram. He asks, how can we become great content creators like you and Kevin, or in this case, like Lisa and you? What advice would you share with others working to create create Catholic digital content for evangelization? It's a really great question. I think two things come to mind. The first one is I think trying to find an area that, uh, or a niche that you think that uh, you have some expertise in, but also that uh, other people would really like to hear about and really concentrate on that. I think sometimes when people see you know, Catholic speakers and they're talking about all these things, they're like, oh my gosh, you're an expert about everything and they're so smart and they're so funny. But I think some of the greatest contributions are folks that just really stick to their lane. They're like, I'm going to do this thing. And I think that's with our podcast, it's very particular. It's how to. Um, we have a particular format that we do each week. Um, and we really say, this is what we do. And I, often we'll have topics come up and we're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Like, that's not us. It's not practical. It doesn't have to do with excellence, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to make sure that everything that we do on this podcast is very specific for what we're doing and for our audience. And so I just encourage you, if you're thinking about creating content, saying, all right, who is my audience? Um, who would be interested in this content? And what can I provide and do that in a really great way? and then seek out your audience uh, that way. Sounds great. Yeah. Isn't there also like a Catholic digital conference? Do they there still do a, that? Yeah, it's true. Yep. Yeah. So we'll we'll look that up and link to that. And I said two things. So I only gave one there. So oh, my second thing was... Sorry, I got excited about the conference. Um, you know, if you want to create great content, you have to actually have to have great content coming into you. And so I would just say, if you want to create content, read, 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 uh, have conversations with people, really try to understand what's going on and how to learn how to package that. So that content as well. So yeah, leaders are readers. Yeah. You definitely have to know more about what you're talking about than what you share with others. Yeah. Like (laughs) if like, that's like the level of your expertise is what you put forth in a talk. Like someone's going to approach you afterwards, or if you write a blog post, someone's going to put a question mark there. If you're doing a YouTube video or whatever, you have to have more ammo than like what you put forth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, in order to like have the confidence that like 
what you're sharing is like an area of your expertise. Yep. So that's a good like check right there. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Time for a how-to challenge. Kevin, what can we do on a how-to challenge for this kind of an episode? Yeah, how-to challenge is a Q&A episode. I just invite you to ask great questions this week. I love asking questions uh, and to learn how to ask great questions and to be a great listener in conversation, I think is a skill that if you master, you can be a person that people really enjoy engaging with. And so when I just think of questions, I think of that skill and just invite you this week how can I, when I sit down with people, whether it's a person uh, who's checking me out at the grocery line or somebody at work or somebody at home, my spouse, whatever it might be, and just say, how can I learn to ask great questions this week? And if I know how to do it, how can I put that in action? So that's my challenge for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who sent questions in. Again, we're so sorry. We could not answer them all. We're seven minutes over our current time already. So we already did more than we typically fit into an episode. But please do know that your questions do influence the way that we create content for future episodes when we see certain questions coming up over and over again. Um, so maybe we didn't answer it specifically in this Q&A, but you might see your question being answered kind of in a non-traditional way as a full episode coming up here. So mm -hmm. we really appreciate your sending them in and letting us know the things that you're thinking about because it helps us make How To Catholic even better. So that is it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want to connect with us, our email is hello at made to magnify.com or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kevin R. Cotter or Lisa Ann Cotter as always if you enjoy the show please give it a rating on itunes add it to your podcast subscriptions and tell a friend these simple things help us get the word out about how to catholic until next week be saints it's worth it <laughs>